The views expressed on the Badge to the Bone podcast, while often accurate and sometimes even funny, are not intended to represent the official positions of any law enforcement, public safety agency, or their employees. So lighten up. This podcast contains mature themes, strong language, violence, and nudity. Okay, maybe not the last two. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Badge to the Bone Podcast. I'm Denny. I'm Al. And we are back. Yes, we are back again for another episode. And we have a guest with us. So we are anxious for that, and as always, lots to talk about, so let's jump right on in. Al. Denny, we're back. Yes. They thought they beat us, but we're still here. No, we're still cranking them out. Surprising. Slowly. Slowly. And people are listening. (laughs) That's probably the more surprising part, is people are actually listening. We want more people to listen, so please tell your friends. Tell your friends, follow us, but... uh, Remember the Facebook page? We are Badge to the Bone at Facebook. Just go there, put it in the search bar, it pops right up. Boom, there it is. Boom, there it is. So, but but, Al, we have a guest. Yes, we do, we do. Uh, We got somebody I've been really waiting to get in here since since we started this up. And and, uh, so... uh, we uh, we got somebody in here, and, and I'm gonna be really honest, you know, because when we started talking about doing this, one of the, you know, we had your experiences, we had my experiences, yep. But I, and I think I said it in one of the the, the earlier episodes was, you know, we hit that age and that tenure where we start seeing things, right, and we start seeing things happening to people around us, people we care about. And we start seeing some of the, some of the effects. I don't know if we recognize them as the effects all the time, but, um, I think we start seeing those things happen. Right. And and then sometimes when you do, you're like, what just happened there? Right. (laughs) So, uh, but, um, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to be involved in this project is that, is, is is the person sitting in the studio with us today and uh yep so so we have uh my dear old friend uh my brother uh rick rick is in studio with us today and and rick has been a is a veteran of the united states air force um prior service in uh fire departments up in new york but more importantly he had 19 years of experience uh, in law enforcement as a as a deputy and he's got he's got a really good story to tell right? I think everybody's gonna want to listen to this no yeah I mean I, I know we've uh, talked about it a little bit you know I have yet to hear so I'm definitely anxious every time I you know hear another story it, it's always helpful for me yeah so so Rick yes. welcome welcome to the show thank you honored to be here Nice to be here at Badge to the Bone headquarters. I'm I'm blown away. Yes, we serve good whiskey here. We do. Yes. 
and, and I'm not sure if this is going to go down as a good story. I'm kind of like that. Well, that's why I brought the good full of dumpster fires kind of uh, situation. <laughs> We're all fine here. <laughs> Everything's fine. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. It Just seems to along. be a reoccurring theme is the dumpster fire. So, so Rick, I, I, you know, I have, I've known you now for over a decade. You know, I, I've, I've kind of, I, I bared witness to a fair amount of this, but obviously I didn't live it. You are no longer in law enforcement at this time. Uh, unfortunately, no, I'm not. No. So, what happened, my friend? Well, like I said, it was just uh, uh, a train full of dumpster fires, man. It was just um, some amazing things that happened, and it's interesting to see how things have played out. And you probably, you were very close to the worst, at, at probably the deepest I was ever in. And uh, it was just a, a, the gradual buildup of career. Things that just continually pile on and pile on, and we put them in a little box and we put them away and we forget about them until we can't forget about them, and then it all comes back out. So, to let's let's talk about that a little. What 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 was your career? Kind of take us through that. Well, I started uh, I started off uh, NSUPD. Um, I don't want to put up too many agency names down there. Somebody can Google that and figure out what it was, and then uh, came up to my current location and the agency that I was formerly employed with. Started out, um, unfortunately, it was a correction-based agency, right? Which brings its whole new level of challenges to it. Did some pretty interesting stuff there. I, I was promoted up pretty quickly. I made sergeant rather quickly. Uh, ended up giving that back and taking a different position that was a very good position. I had the uh, one of the Cadillac jobs, and that's kind of why I didn't go over to regular patrol stuff. Is I had four tens and had every Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and it was great because I was by myself. I was doing out of jurisdiction. Um, extraditions um so i was just going and picking people up and going that way and it was great then i moved into um marshall's task force and that's got a good gig that. that was that was a pretty neat gig but unfortunately it was a lot shorter than i hoped it would be then moved into courts then i was an instructor moved on with the instructing loved that that was a great job and then ironically enough ended up in cit and doing crisis intervention and that was a calling for some reason and became a an instructor for CIT and then became an instructor instructor for that and it was funny because all the stuff was there and I could see everything that was wrong in everybody else but not me I was fine I had everything under control but no uh, I, I like to this is sounding familiar um, it's sounding real familiar yeah please continue yeah so I mean I can't go back and say hey this was the first time that something was you know blah 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 and did whatever but um I was I was kind of the adrenaline junkie, um, like I said. No. <laughs> and see, everybody out there is listening, and they're like, I, "I don't know this guy. This is just just guy on the on on my podcast." But he sounds so normal. <laughs> no, I I can vouch for that 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 bit. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, um, so again, being a correctional based uh, agency, our big LE stuff was doing all the off duty stuff, and that was our big thing. So. In the city we worked in, there was a bar district that was uh, just pretty much out of control the whole time. And I worked down there for a number of years and really got involved with that and made lots of friends with the patrol guys and, and made the, the relationships there. Then with the CIT stuff, same thing, made the relationships with the uh, the primary LE agency of, of the jurisdiction. Had some great relationships with that. And then I worked probably one of the worser places, the definitely not so better that was an apartment complex on the south side of the city that we will remain nameless, and I don't think it's called that anymore, but um, 
But we know that place. We know that place, and yeah. it was a hotbed, and everybody that knows it was a hotbed. If you can work there, you can work just about anywhere, and you're going to see it all. And, and and I did. I saw everything from ODs to shootings to murders to, yeah. Sounds run, like run the, the areas I worked. <laughs> yeah, run the gamut. It was all yeah. there. Um, it was so bad that we never worked alone out there. We always had two-man unit, if not three-man or four-man, depending on the time and, and the date and which what it was. And, but primarily, we're there at night when everything bad happened. So we were in the middle of it there, and there was nothing to have, you know, four or five shots fired calls in a four-hour off-duty shift. And like anybody else, you get used to that high speed. You like that, that lack of a better word, that high. You're out there. You're in it. You're moving. You're going you're 90 miles an hour the whole time and you forget about everything else but just trying to go ahead and grab that next grab that next arrest make that next you know whatever you're going to get and and you know what that that's something that that you know when i think about things that would describe you particularly you on the other side of where you are now it is uh that that 90 miles an hour balls to the wall all the time you know that high i mean that really resonates with me but you were like that you were like that all the time i mean like like see you out off duty and hanging out and all that stuff and you were kind of like that all the time and it was a weird thing because like i had like the public persona of dealing with that and then you had the the me by myself persona which were two totally jekyll and hyde type things Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of people are like dude he's wide open he's all out there he's doing this that and the other thing but i'm by myself man it was yeah, that I definitely yeah saw that. Yeah, I, I was just like, dude, leave me alone. I don't want to deal with anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to do anything. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's what it was. Is it getting into that stuff and staying into it, needing that, always trying to be better, always trying to get more, always trying to bring that up like any other. You know, I hate to say it like that, but it's like you're a junkie chasing a high. Yeah, you, you find that, and you just want more and more and more and more of it, and then everything starts to catch up so at some point you went back inside issues i worked in jdr and <laughs> jdr i mean you think it's just kitty court and whatnot but the stuff that really gets you is all your child abuse cases yep. come in there all your child peds come in there all your abuses all the sexual abuses all the stuff and having to stand next to someone who's literally uh in, in having to be there for the presentation of evidence and watching the guy that you're standing next to that you have to quote protect from everybody else in the courtroom who wants to kill him knowing that like i could save the commonwealth a lot of money right now and just take care of this problem what transpired and that's that vicarious trauma that you're experiencing and, that's and, tough and then having to stand there right the I, whole time and, and maintain like, that composure yeah maintain a composure where you just want to be like you piece of shit mm-hmm. fucking really that's i mean that's what i'd want to do like, fucking really man yeah it, it, it's it's difficult to get around that and have to be able to like talk to that person as a as a person you know guys complaining about a sandwich for lunch and I'm like, if it was up to me, you're I'd, lucky you're uh, getting a damn sandwich. I, I'm about, I'm about ready to feed you some 357. Well, anyway, we won't go into that, but you know, that's <laughs> what you're thinking is like, I'll, I'll go ahead and bite on the steel sausage right here and just wait for the flash. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that, that that's what we're looking at. And, um, <sighs> but yeah, there's other stuff too. I mean, you have to work in a correctional environment. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that because wow. that is, um, I, I mean. We're both familiar with that particular facility. 
I'm not. No, my first <laughs> Shawshank. <laughs> <laughs> they had like coloring day at Shawshank. <laughs> They'd be stabbing them with the crayons over there or something. Now, for uh, just just for reference, you know, the first night I get there, there was there was nothing. You just show up to your shift and report in. I was a midnight shift, and I, I walk into this and never had experienced anything like that before. And I literally asked the guy, "I'm like, oh, wow. so your advice is to just knock somebody out?" He's like, "Yeah, and you better do it pretty quick, or they're gonna ride you." And that's what you learned quick, man. You, you didn't show, as crazy as it sounds, there's no showing weakness in there. Because as soon as you show any type of crack, any type of minuscule little itty bit of hesitation or fear, it, it, you're done. You are completely done. Because when, back then, it was, I was assigned to a building that had three floors on it and had 100 guys on each floor. And it was me versus 300 people. And, you know, you, you've got your, your, your shift in there, but I think at the best times we had, depending on which building you were assigned to, you had like the Alcatraz buildings that were individual cells. And those were um, 12 per side, so 24 per floor. So you're looking at 75 just by the regular high security ones where they're locked in individual cages. Then it was just open, just a giant open cage. And you had 100 guys in there. And, you know, you can't see that. There's a catwalk that you walk around the outside to keep an eye on there. But there was nothing. We were pulling guys out of there that were getting shanked all the time, getting stabbed, getting getting raped in there. That, that's a fun one to go ahead and have that that for your shift as you, you come in. And they're like, hey, we're sending you to the hospital. Sit on this guy. And you get there, and the guy's acting kind of funny. And then you realize that, you know, they, they, they took it to him in a way that a man shouldn't be taken to. You know, hangings. There's a couple of people that tried hanging themselves during the time, and you know, <clears throat> our policy was you did not go into a locked cell unless you had somebody else with you. Yet here I am watching a guy hang, and there were times where I just said, "Screw it, man! I'm going in. <clears throat> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let him die." And then you get, you don't get rewarded for being. Hey, man! You just saved a guy's life. It's a good, good thing. You caught him. You did your job, and. No, it's you violated policy. Yep. And now you're getting written up or you're concerned about what kind of disciplinary action is going to happen. For anything, they're street smart. They're street smart. They read behavior. And that's because that's how a lot of them survive on the street when they're there is they look for that weakness. But when they find that weakness in you, man, they're going to exploit that. And that's tough. It's it's a difficult job to be locked in there. Yeah, like and that. I mean it's the same on the street or inside. It, it is. You you just you know you have to maintain that. But but inside there's nowhere yeah. for them to go, right. and there's nothing for them to do other than try to fuck around. But you said you were you had times where it was you and you you were watching how many inmates at a time. Oh, there were times when we were short staffed. Somebody calling sick or somebody's on vacation. You're doing feeding. You got to feed right. them. And at that time, we took out 100 guys at a time. They walked down the hallway. You had three tiers that were in the mess hall, so you had 300 there. 100 coming down the hall, 100 going back in the hall. And there would be the podium officer, the seating officer, the guy standing at the med window, and the guy standing watching trays coming out of the kitchen. And Jeez. we were told that, like, if it kicks off and things start going that way, you're going to have to, we're going to lock the doors to the mess hall. And you just kind of fight it out, and we'll get somebody up in the crow's nest as soon as possible and start popping gas and try to fight your way over to the kitchen door. Wow. And hopefully we can get to you before it is. So, wow. yeah, I mean, it was just, it, and it was nothing to, to, to go ahead and have, you know, a funny story with it, too. It's, it's you, you get to learn how to tell people what to do 
real quick and, and you come down hard on them. You're like, dude, have a seat, 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 have a seat. And you do it day after day after day after day. And these guys are walking down the thing to the rows and all of a sudden this guy's like, I'm like, hey man, you need to have a seat. And he's like, no, dude, you know, so I'm like, listen, you need to sit down. And he's like, no, what you're not saying. I'm like, dude, I don't care. You're, you want to go to the hospital or do you want to sit down? And I'm ready to just lo- unload on this guy. And I'm, uh, I'm already clenched up. I'm already ready to go. Weight's rocking back and I'm ready to knock this guy out. And then I realize he's at that break in between that they put in there and the seats are bolted up. And I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I told them like they would walk to me and I would put him down on the row and they'd sit on that row. And I realized I brought him up to the seats that were bolted out. And I was like, I almost like put this guy in the hospital. And, and that was our thing. If you, if you're going to get in a fight there, you make sure you send that guy to the hospital. Um, you know, pour the otra. You know, it was to encourage the others. You go ahead and knock that guy out and you hit him as hard as you can and make sure everyone else sees it. Right. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, you know, you talk about it, it's, it's, you know, same, same on the street and not to not, I'm not diminishing anything. I'm not putting anything differently, but the cool thing, having worked off duty, I could get in the car. I could drive around. I'm between calls. I've got some time to decompress, grab something to drink, do whatever. I got nowhere to go for eight hours. They're there watching me. You're, well, the that, and that, that's you're, that's no, true. You're, yes. you're you're trapped. Absolutely accurate. And um, they're but they're trapped. You you're they're trapped and you're trapped. We used to joke with them all the time, like, yeah, man, you know, you're not in jail. And I'm like, well, let's see. I'm here for eight hour shift, so that's basically one third of the year because I'm here the whole time. So like, if we're you got a year sentence and I've got a year sentence, I'm doing three months, four months just by being here and showing up. So. You are. You're locked in, man. There's no. Well, you know, I mean, I actually started out working in jail environment early in yep. my career before I went on. And a lot of people don't know that it was it was a short stint. But um, you, you are. You're you're locked in there, and that was kind of the benefit of being, you know, a patrolman around. You can take that break. You can pull into a parking lot somewhere. You can go into Seven Eleven and get a drink and stand there at the fountain and have some sort of decompression. But in that environment. It's not you. You're the the trapped. The, the first job I got offered was for your old agency, Rick. Mm. And and that was you know, glad you didn't take twenty seven, twenty eight years ago. Composure or maintaining that officer presence, if you will. No, I said I was. I'm tough, but I'm not stupid. No, you, you know it's 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 <laughs> well, something you know else me, when Al, you're I'm... outnumbered like you are, <laughs> not to show that weakness. I mean, you gotta. No. It, that 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 be ready for that that facility was i mean it was literally thunderdome and it, it it i mean it really taught me though it taught me to be a really good cop though you learn how to you know we go through, when i was in, later as an instructor to be teaching the academy asking these guys you know what's the best weapon you're gonna have what's the best thing you can have and they're like oh my taser oh my pepper spray oh this or that i'm like nope. no it lives between your nose and your chin yep. and if you can't figure out how to talk to another person you're done. You're never going to be good. Yep. And I discovered that, you know, after a while, your knuckles can only take but so much pain. And you get a little tired of that, and it's better off for you to just go ahead and start learning how to talk to people. So true. So true. And just mm-hmm. when I learned that, that's when I figured out kind of how to get, and I did. I, I had I had a really good respect inside that facility with them. But, you know, back then, too, it's crazy to say we had a better quality criminal back then. Those were guys that, you know... It, they did what they did and they admitted it you know they, they, they didn't have a problem like you know hey yeah I got locked up because I did such and such such and such um, 
where I really started falling down, where I started where you saw the meltdown, Al, is when I got reassigned again and, and got thrown back into the modern jail with, uh, you know, and it sounds trite, and, and, and I, I really hate to say it, but it's true. We all do really want to help people. Of course. When Absolutely. You, when you come down to it, it's like, dude, you, you don't you don't get this job. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- there was a time that one of the department psychiatrists asked me, so why did you want to be a, you know, be involved in law enforcement? I'm like that in the face, and I, at that point, I really didn't care, and I'm like, dude, I, I want to drive down the street with the lights and sirens going 90 miles an hour. It's kind of cool, you know? That's, that, that's what I wanted to do. That's, <laughs> that's what I always thought was pretty neat, you know? But no, you really do. You want to help people. And then I got slapped back into a place again through no fault of my own, which is surprising because, you know, I'd, I'd earned up enough points of, you know, I, I was never one to um, be politic around the brass. <laughs> not, um, not you. Not you. And I, I always managed to call a, a spade a fucking shovel, no, no matter who was standing to me. Oh, Sheriff, how are you? Yeah, I think that's fucked up sideways. Didn't learn until much later that that's not a very good <laughs> career building move. <laughs> That does make it challenging. <laughs> Diplomacy was not always one of your strong suits. No, no, definitely not. But it's funny too because, you know, later I got I got selected. I got I got on the special operations team and became a negotiator, and people were just blown away. They're like, "Dude, you are like one of the best negotiators ever." I'm not trying to blow my own horn. I mean, these were people that I thought were like law enforcement gods, people that I look up to. Were like, like if I want to be them one day, that's what I want to be. And they're coming to me and telling me, "You're really good at this." And then that's kind of after that, like it, it got even further moved into, um, moved into the CIT and everybody else was kind of running away from it, you know, hug a thug, you don't want to be involved in this, that, or the other thing. And I'm like, you know what? It's got to be better. There's got to be another way that we can deal with things besides just going hands on, slapping handcuffs on somebody and doing it and learn how to do and talk with that. And, and that's, uh, that really changed the career field at that point because now I'm like, wow, I finally found something I'm really good at. I'm good at getting in their heads. And unfortunately, I think part of the reason I was good at getting in their heads because I had that experience from being in the jail before, had that experience from being out on the street, had that experience from dealing with my own issues. And um, it kind of became like a reverse osmosis type thing is I could see people that were in crisis. There was no question that they were, you know, and you were not supposed to say it, but they were nuttier than crunchy peanut butter. But I could identify because I could see the same things. I could see that crisis. I could I could tell what they're going through. Not so much the, the actual thing, but I'm like, I know how that feels. I know where you're at on that. So was the the newer facility a better working environment or a worse working environment or it was different? It, it was different. It was different. Um, it was a better place for certain things. Uh, other things, not so much. But what what got me is that the, the, the criminals changed. I mean, they could have been, you know, ca- accused of gang raping the president's wife on the White House lawn at a press event on video by every network in the world. And they'll still look you straight in the face and like, well, me. Nope, not me. Well, me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there was a lot of times that after being out and not having to deal with that, I got thrown back in there involuntarily. Um, There's an injury I had on the job injury that I was affecting an arrest. A polite way to say that, um, and end up tearing my TFCC, and I was out for like nine months. I'm gonna screw somebody else because it's gonna make me better. And, and they a, they teach that at certain leadership courses. Such a common theme. It's disappointing. And if you become threatening, if you become good at something, you know the experts always somebody from out of town. You you can't have the smart guy in your department. So we got to we got to bring somebody in. We got to empower this guy to come <laughs> in and talk to us. No, there's he, an there's an expert in your your agency. It's called your agency head. They're the only experts. 
Well, it, some right? of them, you know, there, there's definitely that, like, not invented in my office, so it can't possibly be a good yeah. idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what I found was I, I, I had some I had some great leaders. I'm, I'm not going to say that all of them were bad. I had a couple of them that were very, very good leaders and um, looked up to them a lot and learned a lot from them and, and actually improved my career by following them. But there was a lot, and again, I, I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn saying I was this, that, and the other thing, but... I wanted it to be a better place. I wanted it to be a better agency. I wanted to be not looked at as just another key rattling jailer. Um, and unfortunately, we, we kind of earned that reputation for a, a long time um, and wanted it to be better. And that made me a threat to a lot of people. And when you get to deal with people, not going to mention any names or anything like that, but there's some people that definitely knew that I was a an up and comer and was going to bump them out of their position they had no problems making sure that i didn't go anywhere and made sure that you know i was a threat to them they they dealt with the threat so you actually experienced other members of your agency per se sabotaging any success that you would have or trying to derail positive things you had to offer because they were threatening you would either out promote them or overtake them or take their spot and, and again, it wasn't just me. It was anybody that showed that ability, that innate. You, you find, yeah, I don't like saying natural leaders because leadership's a skill. It's not something you're born with. You you have to do it. It's like anything else, it's like shooting, it's like driving, it's like riding a motorcycle. It's a skill. You you have to, you don't just pop out of the womb and like, hi, hey, I'm the next George Patton. It doesn't happen that way. But yeah, it, it was it was a it was the culture of the agency at the time. Is that uh, you know you made buddies and. Whether you played on the softball team or you went drinking with them or you did whatever, that's how you moved around. That's how you mm-hmm. got places. It wasn't necessarily, holy crap, that guy's really good. He's making me look bad. So we got to do something to make sure that nobody notices how bad he's making me. I mean, I would went for a yearly review and I was told, you know, there's another guy who was a uh, guy was self-loading baggage. He, he was he wasn't worth anything and. Um, I just happened to see his review laying on the desk, and I'm like, why Why are you rating me the same as this guy? Well, you know, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't go ahead and, and rate you to, to him because we know he's kind of, you know, he's doing the best he can, but, you know, you're a really good deputy, and you're this, and you're that, and you're the other thing, so I have to hold you to a higher standard, and I'm like... <laughs> That's the whole point of these things is to say this guy's better than never the heard of that them. one before, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I experienced that. I, I had I that never. Yeah, um, God, where the ratings were pretty much the same across the board, and there was a huge disparity in what folks offered, and I never understood that. I, you know, it, it all goes back to us being our own worst enemy. Sometimes. Well, and some of it was just you had supervisors that didn't want to have the either the hard conversation or didn't want to pull someone aside and go, you know, you are not up to snuff. You're not doing your job. You're not meeting the expectation. Or it they're was, not getting the support from the top. Right. Yeah, and that was the other thing I was told, too, is it's like, if I, and, and that was part of the thing that came across, too, is, well, if I rate you really good and then you do get promoted and go somewhere and you fuck up, I'm going to look bad because I'm the guy who said that you were. And that's such horse shit. I mean, yeah, it's it's that's just it's just horseshit. It's 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 just excuse making after excuse making. It is. It's just it's it's poor leadership, and and it is what it is. But like I said, some of those same leaders that did that once I got into a different position, I understood where they were coming from. I hate to say it like that, but I could see exactly what they were talking about. They were they were playing the same game 
and ducking and dodging and trying to hide and avoid, you know, taking cover. You know, it's like if if they weren't if they weren't shooting, they were loading. If they weren't loading, they were finding cover. They were moving. They were doing everything they possibly could. So I kind of got it. But you know, it's kind of funny when you're the bottom guy. You're like, oh, I see everything and it's perfect, and I can tell you this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong, and I do it this way, that way, the other thing. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, fine. You're a frontline supervisor. Here's your budget. This is your schedule. This is what you got to do. And I'm like, well, shit. Fuck, there's that. <laughs> uh, Damn. Uh, so-and-so, yeah, that day you wanted off that I told you? Yeah, sorry. Some stuff happened, and uh, I'm going to have to cancel that out. And, you know, and, and like a new perspective. But, yeah, all that, you know, all of it came to a head pretty much when I, when I did get that injury. And I was out, and I had nine months of not knowing where my career was going, you know, like literally they, it was a, a tear in my wrist where they weren't sure if I was going to be able to shoot again, wasn't able to ride my motorcycle anymore, wasn't able to do anything. And, you know, you're fighting workers comp and the insurance companies and going back and forth and physical therapy and this and that. And, you know, like, dude, I'm, I'm like ready to go. I'm like, come on, put me back into work. I, I want to go. I don't want to sit around here with nothing to do. And, you know, some of the command staff thought that I was just, you know, Oh, he's just, he's sucking it up. He's, he's enjoying it. And I'm like, no, I'm not enjoying anything right now. Cause I can't do anything. I mean, luckily it's my right hand and I'm left-handed. So it didn't affect my sex life at all. I was good there. <laughs> um, managed, managed to play a lot of PlayStation. That was kind of cool. I got to play. Sounds like you're playing more than PlayStation. <laughs> Hey, fun, fun fact, midget this porn. Is, this is where that disclaimer comes in. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact, midget porn does, takes up the same amount of bandwidth. You think it was smaller, but no, it's not. It's, a, it's, it's right there. You um, have reached the end of Pornhub. Please turn back now. Yeah, I mean, Go back where you came. <laughs> Dear God, stop. There's, we have no more content to offer you. Uh, so that's when that's when I started started to have time to think, and then I had to face all the crap that I wasn't able to take care of with going out, running off duty, running the streets, running around three a.m. in the morning, chasing down the druggies, chasing down the guy with the gun, doing this, doing that, um, having to face myself every morning when I woke up, and and not having that direction, man, that's that's tough when you have when you're. I'm not saying I'm I was like you know Olympic medalist or anything like that, but I I was I was high speed low drag. I wanted to get in there. I wanted to be the best I could be. I wanted to be the best one. I wanted to have the best stats. I wanted to have the best this. I wanted the best that. I wanted to do all that stuff and and wanted to be at the at the the prime. And all of a sudden, bam, everything's gone and taken away. And that's when like stuff really started happening. Um, there were some things earlier, things that you, you know the typical stuff that anybody sees over a career. Um, you see dead people, you, you watch people die, you see really horrible crap that no one should ever have to see. It was the things that, you know, and I, I wanted to live that whole, that cool, uh, put it out here and, you know, Yankee, you know, down here in the South. So it's a different mentality. And like, you know, the cops up North, man, you were drinkers. You were, you were, and we, we still talk to you and why, yeah, even though you I mean, admit to that. Um, I wasn't aware of that. Funny, funny side story. I was I was dating the daughter of the sheriff of James City County when I moved down here, and the first time I met him, I walked in. I was like, "Sir, it was good to meet you. Here's my, you know, I introduced myself and did whatever." And he says, "He says, oh, he says a Yankee, huh?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "You know what the difference between a Yankee and a damn Yankee is?" And I, I had no clue. I, I'm like, you know, no, sir. What is it? And he says, "Damn Yankee, don't go home." I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a great day right here. We're starting off really good. So, yeah, so I was, I was, you know, high speed trying to be the best, you know, I wanted to get up there and do the stuff. I wanted the high speed assignments. I want to do things. 
ended up, uh, you know, ended up doing a lot of cool things during my career. I was on a, a the, the high risk transport team for us. Uh, we had a couple of murders that were really brutal. Um, two guys murdered a family uh, New Year's Day, and two yeah, little kids. That was a that was that, that was, was a major case in this area. That that was another one that man I had to sit I had to sit through that and we had gotten some credible information that his family was gonna one of the one of the shooters one of the murderers was gonna break his family out so I literally sat next to that guy in the back of the suburban every day, all geared up high speed with everything on there with a twelve gauge you know shorty shotgun pointed at him ready to go and we were expecting two or three times that we had really credible information they were gonna come and ambush the uh, ambush us as we were taking them back and forth. Mm-hmm. And same thing, you know, having to sit through that and listen to that. And it's, I mean, I really, uh, people don't give them enough credit. And I know we all pick on them and stuff like that. But, you know, the ACAs and the detectives that have to work those cases, man, especially the attorneys, because they're not used to that, man. They're not used to seeing that kind of thing and, and them having to go through it and watching them deal with it. That, you know, that's, that's true. And that, that, that you do forget that, that that is not something they see every day. No. That's the big case they get handed. No, and this was, I mean, this was a big case. This was a big, big, horrible. It was was probably one of the most brutal crimes that I saw in my career. No, no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. And and Um, the thing was, they were just, just full on evil. Oh, yeah. It it was, it was just beyond, there was no human excuse for any of that stuff. And and I'm glad that both of those have, both of those, um, miscreants have have gone away and are no longer part of the gene pool i'll drink to that uh, actually yeah, we're getting a little bit low on this um wonderful lubrication here that's why we have the podcast here <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty for us okay so so sometime later you come back in from courts back into the new facility though yes right yeah um that I finally finally got medically cleared again. Come back to work. Got a full full clean bill of health. But they're and, like, guess what? You're not going to courts. Yeah, you're not going back to where you wanted to go again because we're going to put you here because of reasons. Um, and I did. I tried being I tried being positive about it because I know that that was a time that I started realizing that it's time to start being politic and playing the game and not being the rogue cowboy. Um, uh, yeah, that doesn't work out for me well. Um, and um, I tried, and then I kind of pissed off all the staff and the shift that I was in because I walked in there, and I'm like, I had more seniority than, than the damn shift supervisors, you know, and I come walking in there, and, and they realized it pretty quick, and, and luckily I had some good ones there where they just kind of let me do my own thing, and at the time I was a sergeant, and um, they, they didn't strip me of my stripes, and they sent me back here, so it's like kind of this weird type of, here's an extra sergeant for your shift, but treat him like he's not but they you know that's bizarre yeah it was it was um i I guess you can describe command as byzantine is probably the best uh, that that is a that is is a you know ten dollar multi-syllabic word well that's that's probably like a 20 dollar word for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of the stuff that i like to do is i like to play psyops on everybody with that and that's kind of i I let them believe that i was he's much smarter than he looks Unfortunately, I always thought he's an educated man. <laughs> I, it took me a long time to realize that you might be the smartest guy in the room, but you don't have to prove it. And um, that's when I kind of started figuring that out. Is that uh, a lot of my issues were like I was letting people know that they were like, "Dude, you're are you even eligible to remain in the gene pool?" Uh, you know, and that that doesn't go over well. But I got back in there, managed to piss them off. We had a, we had a like come to Jesus moment. We all sat down and talked, and they ended up putting me on the front desk as a desk sergeant. 
um, for the midnight shift, which, you know, it was, like they, they thought it was like a punishment. I'm like, dude, I get to see all my friends from the street, all the guys that are out there, you know, we're having a great old time doing whatever. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, now, now I'm, I know that I'm not in the game anymore. I know that I'm not out there. I'm not doing the things that, that, that I needed. And I came back after having a look at everything and, and start unpacking them boxes and, and I couldn't escape anymore with the, uh, you know, chasing bad guys and, and, and doing the stuff that I needed to do. So, uh, you know, I come from an Irish family. We have a long history of Irishness, and uh, we like to perpetuate that stereotype and stereotype. And being a northern cop, you know, you get used to that kind of Irish, you know, womanizing. Are, are, are we heading into where? Where things went okay. and, and right. what started doing. And, um, yeah, I started doing the things, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not – I'm not proud of any of this stuff, um, but right. we find our ways that we find our ways to deal with stress, you know. And we found the ways to um, to get over those things. And um, like anybody, man, you, you got something you don't know how to deal with. You, you can't in our environment in our career show weakness. You, you don't you don't want anybody to look at you and go, man, do I want that guy backing me up? Do I do I want him as my second unit? Do I want him behind me at the door when we go in? If you're like, hey man, this isn't right, and I'm 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 kind of fucked up about this, and and I'm having second doubts, and I I might actually be afraid, and that word just doesn't go over well at all, mm-hmm. and it's difficult to bring that up, man, and, and right. So you know, again, um, a lot of this stuff is stuff that I haven't really talked about, short of outside the uh, the doc's office, and 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 with some some of the groups that I was in. Um, so I turned to the stuff, you know, the bottle was always there, you know, and I'm not saying I crawled into it and it's really weird because my grandfather said a long time ago that every time you, you need to have a drink and you're by yourself, that's when you need to call somebody. So I didn't, I didn't go ahead and call anybody. I went out and I found people and I found the people that wanted to drink and party and do whatever and, and get crazy. And I went crazy and I drank and going out there obviously you're you, as you all know people who may imbibe in intoxicating spirits their judgment takes a interesting turn that it does um plus you know one of the things that we all do and nobody wants to admit and i certainly don't like admitting it but it was you know i started chasing the girls you know um in a relationship at home and she didn't understand what was going on and she wasn't i didn't certainly didn't make it easy for her, i'll tell you that um no no you um, didn't i i, I in, in her defense but but i but i will say this and i'll just inter, interject but the, the the when and we're talking about your 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 ex-wife um a wonderful person she, i don't she was and, and and she really was and i don't i mean we had our issues, don't get me wrong, and there was a lot of stuff that was her fault, but I did not make it easy for her, and I was a no, I, rotten I, son I, I will. of a bitch. <laughs> I, I was a rotten son of a bitch. I'll, I'll admit it. I'll flat out. I was I was out chasing other girls. But I don't think she I don't think she understood, you know, like like what what was going on, what the job was like, what it. You no. know, I don't I don't think she understood that, and and you know what it, I, I don't care who you are the. the 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 person you're with needs to understand, you know, as best they can without participating, what goes on on this job. But that's the difficult part. Is yeah, that's really hard. Is understanding what you do on a day to day basis, what the stress is, how what you know, the toll it takes on you. Yeah, it's very very hard for 
a um, whether it be a spouse a you know significant other even family you know to understand and, and if they don't get that, it and they don't try to get you know, it it's it's just it's not going to work yeah and it, it, it's you know it, like i said it, it really wasn't her um there were some things that she did that were they were pretty pretty that, that, that threw me like because i thought it was a rock i thought that was something that was solid i thought that that was something that was going to give me that that base and um you know it started off small too man it wasn't like it just popped up all of a sudden and, and things happened it was like you know we, we all have that control thing um and you know you, cops no no cop has ocd that doesn't happen ever you know and 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 you know you want things a certain way and you want this and you want that and you want it to be perfect and you want to be especially man if you're if you're you know trying to go high speed and trying to be the best that you can doing that kind of stuff you 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 don't want to be half-assed and you want everything to be perfect and you want it to be right and you want it to be right now um so that was getting in there and she couldn't understand why i was exploding and she couldn't understand as soon as i walked through that door she's like okay we're going to someone so we're doing this and, I don't, and like and i'm like I, I, I'm, I'm not doing that and i'm like what are you even talking about i just walked in the door leave me the fuck alone for at least 15 minutes <coughs> excuse me um it's got to be this stuff in this glass here that's causing that problem <laughs> have a little more i think gotta keep drinking it. more of it um, <sighs> for it to go away um, so yeah, so I started. I started. You know, uh, unfortunately, I unloaded on her a lot, um, and I didn't make things easy for her at all. Um, and it sucked because, um, man, I, I was I was a master mason. Um, we're supposed to be, you know, making men better men, and I'm supposed to be a, a model for the community and I'm supposed to be doing these nice things and here I am I'm, I'm running around chasing girls and getting getting drunk and, and doing crazy stuff um, and not caring whatsoever because it was giving me that and then another thing that you know a lot of this I don't want to put out too much but you know I kind of want guys to know about it because I found out that everybody's dealing with it had the injury I started getting pain pills mm-hmm. and man those pain pills um, they made me feel good they made me feel um, you know, I, I could put some of that stuff away. I could, I could push it away a little bit. I could forget the things that were going on and, and started enjoying those. And then I, I found the muscle relaxers they gave me. Those are, those are really nice too. Um, so I'm, I'm hiding behind those to make it look like I'm still, I'm right there. I'm, I'm at the front, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm good. Pretty sure those don't go well with the booze. Um, surprisingly, no, no, they do not go well <laughs> at all. Um, you know, now, Rick, I know, um, I mean, you know, what you're describing is so, I won't say common, but so many experience that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of what you're talking about resonates with me because it's very similar to what, you know, what happened with me and what, you know, what went down. But, um, you know, as far as the, the going out, did you feel that that was, you know, like an escape for you that, um that was kind of something that you used to escape where you didn't have to think about any of the things that were on your mind where you were just, I mean, it's hard to describe. I have a yeah. hard time describing it. Yeah. And, and I do too. It's, there's no real, it, it just made it, it made it so you didn't have to open them boxes up. You could keep those boxes pushed away and you could be like, I'll get to them later. And if I just keep doing what I'm doing, well, everything's okay right now. Cause those boxes are closed and, as long as I don't know what's in them, and I, I mean, I know what's in them, but I don't have to deal with them. And, and then I started putting other things in my life. I started putting people in those boxes. Right. And started putting things in those life and started avoiding this and started avoiding that. And then, 
it just piled on, man. And it got to the point where all of a sudden the, the doc said, hey, dude, you're good. I'm like, well, it still hurts. And he's like, yeah, well, that's nice and all, but you know, it's um, go get yourself some Tylenol. And Tylenol, that wasn't anywhere near as cool as the stuff that he was giving me, and it wasn't these and it wasn't those. And, well, if I have a little bit more liquor, hey, you know what? If I drink some of this, hey, I'm good. I don't have to worry about that. And if I, if I go out and go and chase this, I'll be fine. And it made me not focus on what was, what was there and what I had to face. And it is, I hate to say it, you know, after, after spending all this time trying to be Billy badass with a big red S on your chest, um, it took a long time for me to be able to admit that I was just afraid of facing myself and I needed to. And unfortunately, now I know all this because I'm a CIT guy. I know this stuff. I can recognize it. I know what the issues are. I, and I, and, 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 you know, I dive deeper into that and I start pushing harder on that and I start, you know, getting into that even more. And I'm like, you know, if I, if I do right here, it's kind of like it balances it out. Right. I, I'm really cool here. And, and if I take care of that, then, then this is nobody will pay attention to that. And no, no, it doesn't. Um, it, it just made it worse and made it worse and made it worse. And then I find out one day I'm, I'm so pissed off at work and I'm so angry at everything I blow up and, and it was over something like absolutely ridiculous. And I find myself at my major's desk and I'm, I literally, so it was one of those blow ups. Oh, it was a blow. It was like, wow. Like dude, epic. Like I think it was carved in stone and they actually made a monument to that. It was like, (laughs) this is the day that he popped a nuke. I mean, it was, (laughs) I literally stood in front of him and said, you know, called him out on something. And he's like, you can't talk to me that way. And I pulled out my creds and threw it on his desk. And I said, call me on it, motherfucker. Let's go into the fucking sheriff's office right now. And you know that you're going to lose. Call me out on it. Damn. There we go. And and knowing you for as long as I have and and knowing where you were at that point, I I buy that a hundred percent. We're not there yet. You you (laughs) this is this is you haven't you're just seeing the, the, the periphery at this point. So at that point I realized I'm like, holy shit, dude, what did I just do? Like it was at that point Rick realized he fucked up. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, holy, I like, I like walked out of that office and I was like, you know, I, I, I very, I very carefully pick up my creds and my shield, put it back in my fucking box, and I'm like, and um, hey, it was a great chat, boss. Uh, see you later. Um, April Fools. Wait, is that April? <laughs> and, and it's I, January. I, <laughs> I oh, walk shit. back. I walk back out of that, and I realize I'm like, "Holy crap! What did I just do?" And I realized at that point. That's when it like really hit. I'm like, "Dude, I'm out of control." So I went. I went to HR, and I and I, I'm like, "Boom! I know this is a, this is an issue. I, I recognize it at this point. I can't deny it anymore. I'm gonna get my ass fired." And I just wasted, you know, 18, 19 years of my life, and I'm screwed. So I go to HR and I tell them, listen, I need to go to EAP. Uh, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't. I'm, I'm having it. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm really losing it. And they put me out of the command referral. And at that point, it was a new administration. It was different people. And, yeah, they, they, as far as I was led to believe that, you know, I finally take this risk and I, I bought into the CIT that, hey, it's okay to not be okay and this, that, and the other thing, and this is what you're supposed to do. And I finally realized that I'd hit bottom in my marriage. I'd hit bottom in my personal life. I hit bottom in my professional career. 
I'm drinking. Uh, I'm I'm kind of still trying to get off some pills, and I'm popping fucking Flexeril and Tylenol and ibuprofen and everything I can get my hands on. Um, drinking more than most people should ever have to drink, constantly. And yeah, I'm I'm like full on crisis. This is this is dumpster fire writ large, and I'm here. So I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna be an adult, and and I'm gonna do this. And well, unfortunately, I'd. I'd <laughs> burned so much shit by that point in time everybody walked in here and was like who's this guy kidding you know so mm-hmm. i buy into it i'm like hey listen it's eap it's supposed to be confidential and this that, and the other thing well you know supervisors aren't stupid as much as i as i, I like to make them out to be that the bosses actually do well, do see things um well <laughs> they actually have some experience and, and they know what's going on so they had seen me just going down this like this flaming flaming train wreck crash Air, undesirable air ground interface with an aircraft. Yeah, it was just bad. And um, but I think, hey, everything's going to be great because now I admit that I have a problem and, and it'll be okay now, right? No. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. Um. So I go out and do the stuff, and and you know, people I talk to, and, and it was it was good. It was able to do it, but I, I found that I was able to still, you know, bullshit my way through it. You know, if, if you can't, you know, if you can't make it, fake it till you know, make it look like you can go in there, tell them what they want to tell them. This is what you're supposed to say. This is how you're supposed to say it. This you'll be saying and everything will be fine. And let me go back and do my job. Um, I don't think the, uh, the, the psychiatrist at that time bought it necessarily. They, they bought some of it and they, they were able to help me on some things. Um, and, at the time, one of the, one of the other issues I was having is um, being a negotiator. A friend of mine who's a asshole buddy, best man in my wedding, uh, loved the guy to death. Like honestly, the way that both of our old mans got around, it, it probably wouldn't surprise me if we were related in one way or the other, and we were brothers. Um, he was the tightest guy in my life ever, and um, he went through the same thing. And I had to, I had to negotiate my own buddy to, to not eat his gun, and. Man, that was one of the hardest things is I'm trying to talk him through this. And, of course, you revert back to training like anything. And he's done the same training. And he's like, dude, you, you just fail. He says, now you're going to say this. Now you're going to say that. Now you're going to say this. And I'm, like, trying to tell him, like, dude, I'm not I'm not bullshitting you. I'm, like, I'm being real with you, man. Now, how long have we known each other? How long has it gone? And I'm, like, dude, where are you? And I'm getting in my car, and I'm driving at 100 miles an hour, literally 110 miles an hour down 64 to get to him. And they're, like, don't care. I'm, like... I get pulled over that's going to be the pursuit to end all pursuits and they can help me when we get there and he's you know flat out you're not going to get here in time and it's not going to be enough and I've already got it out of the way and I'm like freaking out because like all my shit's now coming out and I'm trying to stay and all this is going on and 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 had to deal with that and eventually managed to get to him um and even then at that at that worst time like he he couldn't even admit the shit that was going on he was literally ready to he was ready to take the dirt nap man he was he was ready to do himself right there um one thing i can say is that uh i I am far too much of a coward to do that i don't don't think i have the balls i'm a pretty strong person and stuff like that but i don't know if i got the stones to um to do myself at least by eating my gun or doing anything like that but I look back on the other stuff, and man, I was trying to do it any other way. I'm, well, on my, on my bike, and then going 190 miles an hour down 95, and, and half if, drunk, and if I, if I, drunk. yeah, if I can interject, I mean, that was, that was one of the things that was 
as as this is unfolding, that was really hardest to watch. You know, you, you see a brother that you care about. You know, it, as much as I'm I'm happy to say here to the world that I care about you. Um, watching that um, unfold, and 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 you're right. I I I there it never crossed my mind that you were going to do something like that, like like eat your gun or anything. But I but I saw just as 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 your friend as your brother observing this stuff and and going man he's he's there's his his risk taking is just unbelievable oh i was i was daring that i was straight up spitting in death's face going i dare you to come and try to take me come on you know bring it bring it you can't you, you there's nothing you can do to me i'm 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 bulletproof at this point i can do whatever i want to and you're not going to do it and it just kept getting, you know, the, the ante just got raised and raised and raised and raised and raised. Um, and we're not even at the point where, like, I was, like, horrible yet. And I think that was just before. That was that last um, thing. And I'm going to put some stuff out here. And if I can reveal, like, what we're part of. Not the name itself, but what, yeah, what we're yeah, part of. Yeah, yeah, So we're involved in a, a, a law enforcement motorcycle club. Um, and, man, I threw my life into that. I, I literally put everything. I, I used to be thinking I was going to retire on a boat in the Bahamas and I was going to be have enough money for bunker fuel and rum and, and live the island life and, and do whatever. And I was trying to be Mr. Suburbanite and clean marine, super cop, always clean cut, wearing a polo, doing whatever. And found my true calling with motorcycles again and um, got involved in that. And, man, I just turned into, well... Joe shit the dirt bag, you know. A lot of guys were like, "Well, he just threw away everything. Look at him now; he's a piece of shit. He's some kind of dirty biker or whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, we're all cops. Come on, man. It's not like that at all." But um, yeah, I, I mean, I did a full life change right at that point, and I went, I went full like everything, like anything that we do. You know, you get assigned to this new unit, man. You throw yourself into it. You're gonna be the best one there. You're gonna go to SWAT. You're gonna be the best one there. You know, you know the whole thing. And then I saw that T-shirt, and I'm like, "Dude, one day I'm gonna have that T-shirt." And it's a SWAT because not everyone can pass motor school. You know, and I'm like, I'm going to be that guy. You know? I'm, like, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to I'm going to go out there and do that and, and run it. And, and I did. I changed my entire life. It changed everything about me. Um, now, you're still on the job at that time. Still on the job. Still, still on the job. Still doing that. And then, um, you know, they, they the department doc says, no, you're not you're not coming back. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. And they said, nope, we want some more time. You're only supposed to do so many of these things, but we're going to do some extras because we think you really still need some stuff. So I go ahead and sure, fine, do that. And I finish that up and they say, he's, they say, you know, you're good to go back. You can go back to work now. And I went back to work and work says, no, you can't. So well, why not? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I did what you can. And that's when it really, really hit. It was an unsupportive um, command staff that just was everything that i had you know come to believe you've got your sops you've got your policies this is how things go this is what you do you check off these boxes you go ahead and make them happen and i'm doing all these things and um they're saying no we don't we don't we don't think so hmm. i'm like wait a minute now now you're getting to a point where you're violating your own procedures you're holding me to this thing because they went ahead i went in there asking for help and saying hey i'm going to do this on my own and they're like no this is a command referral jack we We've watched what's happened. We're making this command referral, which is fine. I had no problem. I'm like, I knew I needed the help at that point in time. There was there was no question, and I was I was enough that I could say, yeah, I need to get this taken care of because like 
dude, I'm going to end up divorced and live in a refrigerator box under a bridge if I keep this going up, if I manage to live. Um, so I went ahead and did everything, and then they just flipped on me. And they were like, dude, we don't care if you're cleared. I'm like, what? You can't do that. I'm like, dude, the, 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 the doctors say that I can come back. It's okay. And they refused. So they weren't going to let you come back to work. They weren't going to let me come back to work. Wow. Now, what, wow. what really got me at that point then is that I found out that it was a command referral. That means if you don't go to this, you're fired. You have to go. We're ordering you to go and do this. Okay, cool. I'm fine with that. It's not a problem. I want to get this taken care of. Well, then I find out they're charging me my sick leave for it. I'm like, wait a minute. This is this is admin leave. You ordered me to do this. This has to be admin leave or regular duty. Well, they're burning out my my sick leave for this. Well, a month goes by, two months goes by, three months goes by. We get the end of the year, and I've got so much damn overtime or vacation time built up that I lose like 154 hours of vacation. And I'm like, well, can you at least pay me out? And they're like, no, you weren't here. You couldn't. You didn't take your vacation. I'm like, well, you wouldn't let me come back. And well, I would have taken it if you would have. You know, I would have been fine to take that time off and not be here. Um, so I lose that, and and we keep going back and forth. My personal doctor gets involved. He writes a letter saying, "Listen, this guy's this is covered under the ADA. You can't do this. This guy, you got to let him back. We're good. We all think that he's in a better spot right now, and he can do it." And that, when they said, "No, you're not coming back," that's when the meltdown occurred. Because now I'm like, "Holy shit! I am one year away from getting my 20 years in, from getting my." retired ID card from getting my full retirement for, you know, for this whole thing that I could go ahead and do. And I'm like, did I just waste 19 years of my life because of this? And now I'm faced with the hard and cold, fast reality that, Hey, I'm fucked up really bad. I'm doing all the things I shouldn't have been doing. I still haven't resolved the problems. I've bullshitted the doctors out of the way enough for them to at least pretend that I'm okay and better. And I've managed to get around that. When I know that I'm still not screwed up, my, my personal life is fucked beyond all belief. I've screwed up any hope of, of ever reconciling and making things better with, with, with my wife at that time. Um, and then it's just a waiting game. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Finally, somebody's going to come to the and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. So I file an EEOC charge. And um, miraculously, after I file that EEOC charge... Not like you know, five, six days later. Deputy Shannon, come on back in. We've got a light duty position for you. Oh, the one that I've been asking for for the past six months? And, th- and that's how I started that off. Um, that didn't do too well. And, and, of course, came in aggressive and hostile and, and hating everybody. And, and that failed, failed on it. And then there were some things that happened during that point in time when I went back to work in the light duty position. And I was like, this is not the light duty position I asked for. I should have been transferred here and I could have done that. And this is where I want to be. And this whole thing. And, and, and during this, well, before this had happened, I'd, I'd taken a really long vacation. Um, went out to Utah. <clears throat> and, you know, people talk about finding God and stuff like that. And, and, and I've always been a spiritual guy, but I, I can't say I'm super, super religious. I, I walk into a church i'm afraid i'm gonna get struck by lightning and i'm gonna burn the place down um but um like really found myself out there um crazy i never thought that something like that was gonna happen and that emptiness was was gnawing on me so i'm like now if i can just get to the end of this fucking career i can go back out there and i felt good and when i was out there i wasn't drinking and i wasn't taking the pills and i wasn't doing that stuff and i wasn't working and i felt pretty good out there i, I felt i felt nice now, the old lady, she was like, 
fuck Utah, I ain't going to Utah, I mean, have fun, see ya, bye, you know, that, that was going on, so I've got that in the back of my head, and now I'm realizing, like, dude, I'm not going to be able to retire, did I just waste 20 years of my life, well, the one thing I've got is I've got my crew, I've got my MC, these guys got my back, well, this whole time I'm going, losing it, and, and to the point where I would drink so much and go out and do something, like, literally the next day, somebody, not just somebody, but one or two of the guys would be like, Dude, you all right? Like, what do you mean? That was that was some seriously fucked up shit. What are you talking about, dude? Last night when such and such happened, uh, what? It was, I don't even know what you're talking about. To the point where I mean, I'll put it out there. Um, you were you were there that night, Al. I, 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 to this day, I don't remember doing it. But we were mouthing off having a good time, drunker than shit outside the bar, and I pulled my weapon out of my holster and waved it around. I don't remember doing it, and I'm not saying I didn't do it. I'm saying that I was so fucking out and so fucking gone that I don't even remember it. it, it and I know I know those guys. I, the, the, if there's one thing I do know with those guys, uh, you talk about somebody that's going to die, that you're going to take a bullet for, that you're going to live with, and you, and you will do whatever to save your brother and your, your brother's keeper and whatnot. Those guys were my only thing keeping me going. So I know those guys didn't, they weren't lying about it. And it progressed from there and it got even worse. And I started drinking more because now I'm not going back to work. And now they're kicking me off of a light duty assignment. And then like the fitness for duty review comes up. And now I'm really fucking scared because now I've got to go in like this fitness for duty means yes or no, you're going to get fired. I'm like, I can't let go of my, my, my retirement supplement, you know, our hazardous duty supplement. I'm like, that's huge. And if I, they put me out on a disability, I'm screwed. Uh, that's not enough money. I'm gonna have to find something to deal with. I chase people and lock them up and point guns at them. What the fuck do I do? I don't know what to, to do with like a regular job. <laughs> and then that falls apart. And now I'm 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 in a position of rage where I'm fucking anything that I can fuck. I'm drinking anything I can drink. I'm doing anything I can to destroy everything to make me forget my whole life now. And those guys saw it and they tried giving me an out. And at the time, man, I, I didn't I look back on it now and I'm like wow, how did I not see what they were doing? But I saw it as like, now these guys are turning on me. Everything I've devoted the last 10 years to my life to these sons of bitches. I brought every single one of those fuckers into this and they're going to do this to me? Fuck that. And I couldn't hear what they were telling me. They were telling me everything that I needed to hear. They were doing everything they were supposed to be doing. So they were trying to get, you know, intervene. And trying to get you to, to see what's going on, but you yourself couldn't see it from that perspective. It, it, well, and, and as somebody who was, who was, you know, watching so much of this unfolding and, you know, I, I, I know I like, I talked to you one-on-one on, on, on more than one Several occasion. Several times. Yeah. You know, even before it reached its, its, its peak and, and, you, you it, it's it's like watching a it's it's i mean it it makes me emotional just thinking about it because it was like watching 
it, it, it was like watching a car wreck in slow motion, you know, just the bloodiest, fieriest car wreck in slow motion that you, that you could possibly see. And, you know, and here's this person that who, you know, I, I, I've over the course of a decade come to, to, to love and respect and, and, you know, um, it, 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 it's, it's you and one of our friends that, that I attribute to like, you know, the fact that I can get on a motorcycle and ride cross country and it not bother me. Right. And, 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 and be happy about it and, and know what the hell I'm doing. And, and it, and, and that, and that's, that's, that's why when, you know, like Denny and I are mapping out our stuff and I'm like, well, we, We've got to have Rick on. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm listening. I mean, I think about, you know, my situation. I think about other situations yeah. I have you know, heard about and stories we've heard. But, you know, when you're in that moment, that self-destructive, that pattern. Nothing's going to stop it. You know, you just, you know, for me, in the back of my mind, it's like, you know, you're, you're right. off. Oh yeah, the rail a little bit, but you—it's like you just can't get yourself back with the rail. Anybody yeah. that wants to try to talk to me, I, mean, I didn't want to—I wouldn't have listened to anybody. I didn't have a, a whole lot coming to me. I think people saw some things, but I did such a good job of, of masking yeah. and hiding everything, um, and I did such a good job of of not communicating anything that was going on right. um, that you know you didn't get a whole lot of folks coming to me going, "Hey, what the fuck? Get your shit," you know you were in a bad position you're in a bad in a bad situation but you just you don't it's like you cannot pull yourself out it's like you're being in a bad dream almost and you can't wake up from it yeah and the, in, in the back of your mind you know i'm i'm it's not right i'm not doing what i should be doing but you just you can't you, you can't it, it's like it has a grip on you yeah it has it, a grip and nothing makes you feel better or decent other than when you are self-destructing and, and it pounds on you too because you do you know it i knew what i was doing was absolutely 100 percent the wrong thing yeah and you know oddly I enough it. i don't I, I i can't dispute that you knew yeah i you knew did. that it was the wrong thing to do i knew that i was like dude this is you'd, you'd be like yeah that's fucked up i shouldn't do that and then like holy shit he just turned right around and did it again and went and did it without even without even thinking about it without even turning around without even missing a beat Looking at somebody go, yeah, this is fucked up sideways, and, and I shouldn't be doing this, but you know what? I'm going to go stick my dick back in that fan again because it's fun, and I don't have to think about it. And then um, then finally, there, there was a, a person that came into my life that, that I had known years and years and years before, decades before. And literally, I think the only reason I'm alive is because of her. And she was able to see... And, and not judge and not be part of it and, and not do it and really brought me back around without me knowing what it was. And that's the reason I actually went in and ended up finding a phenomenal, phenomenal doctor. Um, a guy that I had known about, never met him before and, and didn't know about him. I mean, I knew about him, but never met him, never dealt with him. And if it wasn't for her, I probably would have never gone and talked to him. But I knew that one day I wanted to be with her. Like, I knew at that point that, like, that's the person who's going to save me from me. So if I could and just get in there. So 
for you there was a pivotal moment. There was a pivotal moment that came in where either a light went off or a switch went off or something went off and that is where some sort of change or, or a turn starts to happen is that is that correct is that accurate what i had i had nuked every bridge that i had i had destroyed every relationship that i had i had destroyed my own self you know image and, and everything i had alienated every friend of mine um, my family, I pretty much, like, they had to take me. They, they didn't have a choice, but I knew that I was not treating them right. Every single thing, I had gotten to the point where I had hit absolute bottom. And the only thing left was to kill myself. That was it. And like I said, I, I'll, I'll stand up to a lot of shit, and I'm not afraid of, of death, but I knew I didn't have the fucking stones to do myself. And I looked at every single person and I looked at my friends and looked in their eyes. And I realized at that point that not everybody can be out to get me. Not everybody can be against me. Not every single thing can possibly be. What's the common denominator? And that's when I I did. I realized that I don't want to be this person anymore. I'm so familiar with so many stories I've heard. Yeah, and there's there's a kind of a, a weird consistent theme that runs through it is a lot of this, and I think you know you've got a lot more to talk about, you know, so much more to go over. But I think yeah, this is this is halfway through. I yeah, mean, this is literally <laughs> halfway through. Are you are you willing to stick with us for uh, another episode? Hell yeah! You have no idea how much this um, is weird as it is. This is a catharsis, so it's good to be able to talk about it. And I want people to hear the rest of it. Yeah, I think that's good. I so think I um, think we do a part two. You know, you've, you've kind of talked where you've kind of come up to your, your turning point. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of brings it for a great part two for us to kick off. Yep. But as we said, I think we'll hold that for a part two, Al. Yep. Get ready. It's coming. So we had a lot to digest. Um, I think it's so important for us to hear these stories and hear things. But, Rick, we're going to bring you back. We're going to do a part two and get that turning point because I think that's just important in the story to have all of it. Right. So hang in there. And in the meantime, you can uh, contact us. Let us know what you're thinking at wearebadgetothebone at gmail.com. Wearebadgetothebone at gmail.com. Also, find us on Facebook and our website, badge to the bone.com but in the meantime stay safe and be well we'll see you back soon